The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, the nation's public radio source for all news, tip, tips, techniques, strategies, etc., to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. The Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati holds its last meeting for the month of August tomorrow evening. This is an evening of networking and getting your questions answered by experts at the 6 o'clock early meeting. We'll be having our very popular speed networking meeting where you might just meet your next buyer, seller, private lender, partner, contractor, agent, who knows. So bring business cards. The 7.30 main meeting is Ask the Expert Night, where we'll have a series of tables set up manned by folks with multiple years experience in real estate investing to answer questions about things like buying with no money down, wholesaling, successfully renting properties, inspections, estimations, all of that good stuff. It's a great meeting. It's open to the public. It is at the uh, Swift and Commons, now Jordan Crossing, at Reading and Seymour. And you can get more information at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's Cincinnati, R-E-I-A.com. Or by calling 859-292-7342. Our show tonight is a uh, program about uh, just sort of more generally, what is working in the real estate investing world? We try and do this check-in about once a year just to find out from experienced investors across the country what strategies they are seeing that are making the most money in the highest demand, easiest to accomplish at the moment, and so on. My guest today uh, for this program is Andy Heller, who uh, has been a fairly frequent guest here on Real Life Real Estate Investing over the years. Andy is from the Atlanta area and uh, is a best-selling author. His strategy was called one of the top five investment strategies in the United States by Fortune Magazine, and he's joining us by phone from his home in Atlanta. Andy, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Uh, Vina, it's always a pleasure. Yes, indeed. It's always a, always a pleasure to talk to you as well, and I, I appreciate you you coming on today for a sort of annual update on uh, what's <laughs> up in the real estate investing world, because it, you know, it changes month to month anymore. You know, we it get, does new laws in place that make something more difficult and then some trend the banks set up makes something more easy and uh, 
just mm-hmm. think it's important for everyone to, especially in this market, to, to be on their toes. I mean, it used to be we would get into a strategy and we'd stay with it for decades in a row. And unfortunately, yeah. some of the people who stuck to their beloved strategy through the real estate bubble are not in business anymore. <laughs> because no, didn't, they're not. It didn't work anymore. So uh, appreciate you being with us. And I, and I should mention that uh, you are going to be in Cincinnati on September the 1st to address our real estate association here in Cincinnati. And that uh, that is a guest night. And everybody who uh, comes should bring their agent their friends their people people in their lives who say you're crazy to be in real estate just to to come out and hear you because <laughs> uh, it's going to be a going to be a big night for us on september 1st and more more information again about that at cincinnati reia.com now andy talk a little bit about your your own real estate history because you, you've been doing this for a while and like most people you really you started as a part-timer you had a full-time job yeah um my story, I think, is a, is a great story um, because it, it really is a very true-to-life story. Being it, it, it's something that I think that uh, most people can really relate to us. And uh, we started, uh, you know, I, I had a normal job like most people, and I didn't like where I was going, the, the pace at which I was building wealth. I, it was not uh, a very fast pace, and uh, um I had a good job, but um, you know I, I put away a little bit of money every month, and that and that was it. And uh, the reason why I chose real estate, Vina, is that uh, I uh, it was the only asset, only investment vehicle out there where you could take a small amount of money, leverage properly, and buy an asset of significantly greater wealth. And that still today is very true about real estate, everybody, and um, that's what it, why I think it appeals to so many people that. Uh, um, if you're smart about what you do, if you're careful, I mean, you can really build quite an nest egg. Now, you can take a $5,000 of your money or somebody else's money, leverage it properly, and buy a $100,000 asset. If that asset appreciates just $25,000 over a couple of years, you know, you've basically taken your cash and you've increased it 500%. So you don't tend to be able to do that with the stock market, and that's what attracted me to real estate. And uh, um, what is special about our preferred strategy, among other things, is that uh, you know I went out and visited some of these families um, um, in pre-foreclosure, about to lose their properties uh, um, to, to in a foreclosure sale, and lots of those families out there today. And I didn't like that, you know. And so we sort of fell in by accident and fell into buying properties from lenders. And ironically, fast forward to today, um, my strategy is frankly, the dominant way to acquire property below market because there's more bank-owned real estate than any other uh, type of property offered uh, at, at a discount. And I've been doing this for, as you said, for, well, I'm dating myself, about uh, just about two decades now. But it is, my strategy is now the way to acquire property below market uh, and probably will be for quite some time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, um, Andy, I know uh, in in just the past few months, you've 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 been to, to to Memphis to speak to folks. You've been to Philadelphia. You've been to New Jersey. You've been all over the country, uh, talking to real estate associations about these these hot strategies. Are you finding that pretty much wherever you go in the country, it's it's the same? Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> you know, I was even in Hawaii. Um, last year and 
while the number of um, REOs in Hawaii is not as much as it is in uh, other parts of the country, um, that, that area has experienced a 700% increase in bank-owned property in um, in 12-month period. So there's no part of the country right now, sadly, where our model is not um, a relevant way to invest and, and a lucrative way to invest because that's just what what's happening right now in the country, everybody, is um, the number of bank-owned properties are increasing in unbelievable numbers. Um, just to share some crazy statistics, uh, over the last uh, two years, Vina, in this country, uh, on average, 20% of all real estate transactions, including retail transactions, have been bank-owned sales. And in some parts of the country, including your your great um, state, that number tends to approach uh, 40% most months. So. It's really that statistic drives home how really special this opportunity is, everybody, and it's not going to last forever. Uh, this is really an, it's an incredible time to buy a bank home property. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, very true, and that's uh, that is that's the the number one strategy that we're going to tackle after the break, which is the the how to find them. I mean, there's there's always multiple parts of, of every strategy. There's how to find them, how to finance them, what to do with them afterwards. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about your experience uh, in, in the more recent markets uh, with REOs. We're also going to take listener questions at 772-9658 in the greater Cincinnati area. Or at 877-772-9658 if you're listening to us on WMKVFM.org from outside the area. You can also send us an email by sending it to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Andy Heller. Uh, You've heard Andy's name uh, many times, both, of course, on this program, and also uh, you've probably seen his book on the bookshelves uh, over the years. And uh, Andy, do you? Uh, I was just looking at your website. Do you have another book coming out? Uh, no, and I will never write another book again. <laughs> it's a ton of work, and uh, you know, um, it's it, uh, the other thing is that the books don't really give people enough what they need to invest. It's nice. It's, it's a bit of a tease, but it is. Is, is a good tease. Um, so, but my my a little bit about it. My partner and I, um, my real estate partner and I, Scott, we're a bit perfectionist. So, I make that joke, but it's sort of serious. Uh, you know, you, you you write a book, and if you want to do a, a good job, it's just so much work. And um, you know, this is not like you write a a, a common interest book. Uh, you know, the the these real estate book um, is a niche book and. You know, a successful real estate book might sell 100,000 copies over five years. So um, lots of work, um, and uh, I'm very proud of our books. Uh, both of them well, were bestsellers within their niche. Um, our, our second book, which came out in 07, uh, even lower, was read, um, read the, the third best real estate book the entire year. And that year, Donald Trump and David Bach had books out. So our books have done well, and they've established a, a good reputation for us, but you won't catch me ever writing another one. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to write that thousand-page book that I've got sitting on my desk because I wanted to be really complete. 
Never, and here's all the contracts <laughs> and here's all the yeah um okay so yeah that's uh uh buy low rent smart sell high is is the most uh i think well known of your titles and uh of course folks can, you know folks can actually order that by going to wmkvfm.org and there's an amazon link on the station's page and uh if they're interested in reading that uh i guess the station gets a little bit for you know ordering through Amazon and always appreciates it if y'all are going to order a book from one of our guests that you do it that way by going to wmkvfm.org. Uh, so, uh, Andy, you were you were mentioning before the break that uh, mm-hmm. your, your your strategy ongoing for many years has been to buy bank-owned properties. And, and it's funny that, that that part of it has 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 gone the opposite direction of the way many things have gone in after the real estate mm-hmm. bubble it's become a bigger part of the market it's become a a a, a better and easier way to buy properties cuz i i, I got to tell you 10 years ago when i would go into mls and look for bank owned properties it was very often the case that they were priced above what they were worth for the market and they would sell for that so yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless you had unless you had some some inside connections that just wasn't that just wasn't something that was that was a, a great source of great deals but as you mentioned today uh enormous numbers of bank owned properties are selling uh, particularly compared to the non-distressed sales and I did see the same mm-hmm. I did see the same uh, statistic you did it about Ohio that uh last quarter it was like 40% of the sales in the in the area were were distressed sales and the reason of course is that investors are buying <laughs> those distressed properties at rock bottom prices and it's 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 really incredible how cheaply they're selling at the same time yeah. i'm sure you've heard this in your in your travels around the country uh, a lot of investors say, "Well, I don't want to mess with bank-owned properties because it's so difficult. You know, they, they they're so slow to respond, and then they want cash, and they want a pre-approval letter, and they want thousands of dollars in earnest money. And uh, there's uh, anyone can give you a million reasons not to do bank-owned properties. Why, sure. other than the cheap prices, would you say that people should definitely learn about this? Well, um, the first thing I will tell you, and, and um, it's good to say right now for everybody who's looking at their calendars, um, I'm coming to Cincinnati twice, and uh, I'm speaking at the RIA on, um, on September 1st. I'm doing a full-day workshop on Saturday, September 17th, and I highly encourage you to mark that, uh, that time, uh, that day uh, in 10 on your calendar. Um, if you can only attend one of the two, come on the Saturday, because on the Saturday I will teach you exactly how to do this you know what i will say to answer your question is that there are more misconceptions and misunderstandings even amongst seasoned real estate investors about buying bank-owned property in any other way to acquire property below market i've had seasoned investors come to me and say andy can't do it because uh banks want all cash that's not correct um i've been buying from bank i've been buying bank-owned properties for years and for our first 12 years, Nina, we didn't buy all with all cash. Um, I have students that buy from bank, banks with, without a penny in their name. Um, they, they have a money partner, a wholesalee, or they're wholesalers, and they, their wholesaler, um, their, their, their money partner is essentially providing the proof of funds. So everybody, that is an asset. It's an asset for you that most people don't know, 
don't understand how to buy properties from banks. And that's what I will teach you. I'll teach you really how it works with banks and why it's a great opportunity. And, and I'll show you what most of your competition believe. And I'll tell you, most of them, they don't know. <laughs> they don't know the way it wor works with banks. And that is a good thing. Because of that, um, there's more bank-owned properties for you to buy as long as you know what you're doing. And that's my job is to help you out with that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and 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 really, each and every one of those quote hurdles, the the ones that uh, always get spit out whenever you talk about bank owned properties, uh, proof of funds, <laughs> mm -hmm. high earnest money checks, all of that sort of thing. Um, the folks who are buying them are not doing those things. I know they're required. No, you know, I, I, you must have these. They are required, but uh, it's it's not. No, they're they're not, <laughs> as you said. <laughs> Uh, right. In fact, I mean, there. Oh, go ahead. Well, what, what, what I was going to add to what you're saying, Vina, is that part of it is true, and it's important to understand what part. You don't have to have all cash from banks. What banks want to see is that you have the ability to transact. And what they mean by that is that you have someone on your team, or maybe it's a you are a wholesaler, so the person that you're wholesaling for who has the cash, that's what banks want. And if you can demonstrate that, you're fine, and you can buy from banks. Banks don't want to deal with somebody who um, says you're going to buy, and when they, it comes time to complete the transaction, then they basically say, well, I don't have any money. That's what banks may want to make sure that, that they want to make sure that that does not happen. So... And that's an easy thing to avoid. That's called preparation. So um, as long as you're prepared, as long as you, if you are a wholesaler, you have a, uh, you have a money partner, um, you're fine. So again, you don't, you don't need to have all cash to buy from banks. And many feel that way. And Vina, they're 1,000% wrong. You just have to be able to demonstrate that you have somebody behind you that either can get a loan or, or has cash. And that's no different than what a wholesaler does on any other transaction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, in, in case there are listeners who are thinking to themselves, well, of course Andy thinks that buying REOs is the best thing to do because he's written a book about it and he talks about it and that's what he's been doing for 20 years and yeah, maybe, maybe he's just got blinders on and, and this is just all self-promotion. Um, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal about uh, two weeks ago and it actually, it may, it may just be online. I'm looking at the online uh, version on uh, August 4th, 2011. And the title of it is Big Money Gets Into Landlord Game. And what the, <laughs> what the article is about is uh, hedge funds and retirement funds and companies with literally millions of dollars going out and buying up bank-owned properties by the hundreds, by, by it, it, 500 and 1,000 at a time, and then turning around and running them. And the reasoning that's, that, that these folks are giving for you know, why is a hedge fund in real estate, in physical assets, is that the returns are so much higher than anything else they could be doing. And when you think about, you know, you'd have to, you'd have to move the earth to get a, a, a hedge fund to put a management company in place to manage <laughs> 500 properties. If they're doing it, you know, it's serious stuff. 
And part of what this means is that we're starting to see some competition from some very big money players in the REO market. Have have you seen that directly affect your business? No. Um, just to put things in perspective, Vina, um, this problem slash opportunity is so big that um, if I did a workshop in in uh, Cincinnati and there was 300 people attended, and all 300 went out and implemented exactly what I teach, it wouldn't make a dent. So just to put it in perspective, and these hedge funds, uh, now, now, look, I've done very well with this, but I'm still just Andy Heller, and I, everything I've got in my career, Vina, has been onesies, twosies. So maybe those hedge funds go and they buy a bulk of properties 30, 40 cents on the dollar. So I go and buy onesies and twosies for 35 or 40 or 45 cents. Big deal. I still make a tremendous return and I don't need to make as much money as a hedge fund for this to be profitable and make sense for me. So, but again, this, again, this brings up some really, really good points, Bina. Many investors don't mess with bank owned properties. Because they mistakenly think, well, I'm only, I'm just Vina Jones Cox, and I'm only going to buy one or two at a time, and and it, 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 uh, I can't be attractive, but you are. And I've been buying these types of properties all day long for 20 years, especially today. So, the, and the, the type of banks that I buy from Vina are not the types of banks that sell a thousand, two thousand properties. Okay. I buy primarily from local and regional banks. And those banks, if you know how to approach them, they are accessible. If you know what to say to them, you will be successful a lot of the times. Um, the types of banks that are dealing with the hedge funds are much, much larger than the banks that I'm approaching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or my students are, for that matter. Yeah, and this is, I mean, th- this is this is why I think you, you teach an all day class that, that covers this topic in a lot of depth because there 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 is it there's no such thing as a bank owned property. There's there's so much variation uh, who who's the bank? <laughs> you know, who's uh, yeah. is it is it is what kind of condition is the property in? Because uh bank owned properties in really spectacular condition tend to be selling close to market. They they're not not necessarily at market, but you know, ninety five percent of market the stuff that's really, really horrible is selling at a much deeper discount than it would if it were if it was owned. And then there's all these in, in conditions that are in between. You know, they need yeah, yeah. $5,000 worth of buffing and puffing, or they need $10,000 mm-hmm. because they need a furnace. And uh, if there's a property out there that you're looking for, audience, it, there's probably some around you that are bank-owned apartment buildings. Bank-owned apartment buildings have become huge just recently. Mm-hmm. We're seeing, oh, my goodness, yes. We're seeing we're seeing more and more of those, and and the banks the banks tend to want to put them into receivership instead of taking them back because they don't want to own them, and uh, so there's opportunities there. It's and and it really is. I mean, this this is an area of education all in itself, and it's an area of education that you know, folks need to get. They if they haven't gotten it, they need to get it because uh, we're not going to see for the next year or two any big decrease in the number of bank-owned properties because the foreclosure rate, of course, uh, continues to 
increase. And it's the foreclosure rate that drives how many bank-owned properties we have at the back end. So for at least the next few years, uh, this is something that you are going to deal with if you are a uh, real estate investor in any phase of investing and something that is, it's really worth getting into the details because as always, the devil is in the details. And if you're agent told you that bank-owned properties aren't a good deal, or your friend who's an investor told you that all bank-owned properties are junkers, it's, it's, it's just like any other kind of property. They span a wide range in terms of, are they, are they good deals? Are they easy to deal with? What kind of condition are they in? And so on. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. You can give us a call here to talk about hot market strategies at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. You can also send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Andy Heller, who um, is the author of Buy Low, Rent Smart, Sell High, and a relatively frequent guest here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. He's an investor out of the Atlanta, Georgia area. And we're talking today about uh, the investment strategies that, that nationwide are the hottest strategies out there. And, uh, you know, again, in, so there's certain strategies that vary a lot by market. Like, Andy, I was just in uh, the San Diego area. And I understand that retailing, buying, fixing, and reselling properties is a very hot strategy out there that it's 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 pretty easy to to resell a property very quickly and make a lot of money in San Diego where the average house price is $325,000. I can imagine that it's easy to make a lot of money reselling a house that's worth 325 here in Cincinnati where it's more like 119 uh it's not quite as hot a strategy. So uh the 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 things though that are very um uh, timely throughout the country are buying from banks and then uh, what we're going to get into in a moment which is the uh, the 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 exit strategy that uh, is 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 really blowing up again and you know, all of this stuff is is cyclical and you and I have both seen it before but it is a it is a big change from the way things were three four five years ago yep so um Wrapping up the the REO, the bank-owned property uh, discussion, uh, you said community banks, easier to deal with than some of the great big banks, uh, that, uh, you know, showing that you have backing, if, if you yourself mm-hmm. can't, can't produce a bank statement that says, I have the $100,000 I need to pay for this, a statement from somebody, private lender right. partner, someone you're wholesaling to, uh, something of that nature... Uh, and I know another thing you're real big on is connections, just 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 connections that you yourself create. Yes. If you well, like. um, yeah, I'll, talk, I'll I'll touch base on that, uh, Vina. Um, I did want to comment on something you said before we went to break, and that was um, I get asked a lot what types of properties can you buy from banks. Uh, you can buy anything, every type of real estate that can be bought: vacation homes, multiplexes, single-family homes. Uh, personal care centers, whatever you're interested in buying, uh, the only prerequisite bank owned is that it um, it, it it have a lo- it has a loan, uh, and every type of real estate carries a loan. So, um, uh, in terms of uh, the approach to banks, that's actually pretty easy. We um, 
we detailed like a script that uh, we use, and we still use pretty much the same scripts that we used uh, almost 20 years ago, Vina. And you want to say certain things in the conversation that will get that contact at a bank to give you a chance. And you don't have to be a seasoned investor. You don't have to have a lot of money, but you the key is what you say on the phone so that they take you seriously. And it's a 30 to 45 second conversation. We'll talk about this in the uh, in the full day workshop. In fact, I'll go through one of these sample conversations. So you call these banks and you say that you say you follow the script and you say the conversation. And it doesn't work every time, Vina. But I will say very comfortably that um, you know if you call on you call 15 on 15 properties, um, you should be able to buy one or two of these homes. And it's a, and you haven't got in your car. You haven't chased any got any wild goose chases. It's such an easy strategy to implement for full and part-time investors and you know that's frankly why we like it so much and it's very realistic um, most of the people who are listening to uh, your show they're not they're not looking to invest full-time they're looking for an income supplement so you have to find something that works for your available time and you don't subsequently these people don't have a, don't have time to go and look at 30 properties per per month hoping to, to, to buy one, the needles and haystacks, I call that strategy. And uh, um, most people who try that, they end up giving up. The great thing with bank-owned property is that we show you how to, you know, you trace about 10, 15 properties a month. So you do, after the foreclosure sales, you call the banks and you'll you'll get a hold of five or six of them. You go out to see three or four of them and you'll buy one or two of them. So most of your, most of your effort is exerted with simple phone calls. And so it's not challenging. Anybody can do it um, as long as you know what to say to the banks when you get them on the phone. And that, that part is uh, my job to teach it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, uh, let's let, let's talk about the the back end of this strategy, because, uh, again, wh- how how does one make money in any business? One finds a need and one fills it. <laughs> the mm-hmm. the need the need right now is not really for retail retail homes there's there's not there's not tons of people beating down the doors of the local real estate agent saying i have a qualification in hand and i need to buy a house today because they can't get the qualification because <laughs> uh, the the banks have right. tightened up a lot on on financing and and uh you know, a lot of people have gone through foreclosure in the last three or four years which kind of eliminates them from the running in that regard and yet there are still an awful lot of people who want a home to live in that can be their home so the 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 other thing that we've seen a huge resurgence in in really uh, ever since the 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 real estate bubble burst but especially i've seen a huge acceleration in, in the last 18 months to two years and that is uh lease options the good old lease option mm-hmm. so what do i think about that <laughs> yeah well yeah yeah uh-huh. yeah what do you think about uh, that <laughs> what i think is um i couldn't have said any better than you just did vina um lease option is the, the dominant exit strategy in today's market very clearly it, it's just this is, a, this is a time right now in our history of our country where a lot of the people you'll be marketing your properties to, everybody, they don't have a lot of money. So it's like any 
basic business principle. The way to make money in business is to make sure you're giving the market, giving your market something that, that, that they need, something that they want. And right now, everybody will always want a home to live in, always want a nice home for them and their family. But many of these people who want that today, they can't afford it. So the lease option gives them the ability to, um, to buy this sometime in the future for what it does for the investor is uh, you get a, a high-caliber cali- high tenant who pays a premium rent, who creates some ca- many of them will create cash for you two, three, four years down the road when they buy the property without uh, a real estate commission. Now, I do flip homes, Fina, and I, I have no problem with, with instant cash. But even when I flip the property, I market all of my homes as lease options or purchase. So... Uh, instead of having one or two people show up to see a property, I have uh, 15 or 20. So that creates demand, which helps me to flip. And when I don't flip, um, I'm able to attract a, um, a higher quality tenant who pays a premium rent, and then I am able to transfer the repair and maintenance responsibility to the tenant. So for all these reasons and more, it's an absolutely fabulous strategy. It's, it's, it's easy. It doesn't... Um, you know, I meet investors all the time who are just completely tired of investing, and basically most of them are in that position because uh, some tenant beat them, beat the hell, beat the heck out of them um, by not paying their rent and just your typical tenant problems. And I'm not going to say that I never have problems being up, but my ratio of problems is really, really small. And I'll tell you, I've been doing this these lease options as my basic marketing strategy now for. Um, 20 years, it has never, ever been easier to do a lease option than it is right now. Mm-hmm. And um, the last three vacancies I've had, I filled them without one day of unpaid rent. In other words, tenant left on a July 7th, new tenant comes in on July 8th. And mm-hmm. I can't tell you honestly and <laughs> that's been the way that's been my experience my entire career this is lease purchase heaven <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, um, even again even if it's not your preferred extra strategy I'm telling you everybody this market is made for lease options mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, now I knew this was going to happen Andy and in fact I probably should have headed it off before I got this email from Alexa in Cincinnati. Uh, She says, lease options may be a hot strategy in the rest of the country, but my understanding is they're illegal in Cincinnati. And uh, that's that's another one of those, you know, things that 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 goes around and somebody hears something and then they they understand three quarters of it. And then all of a sudden it's completely different than it was. <laughs> Lease options are not right. illegal in the city of Cincinnati. There is a law in place that restricts some of what you can do in a lease option it requires some I mean, there's some, you know, there's some details in it, like some of the titles have to be in 14-point type. No bigger, no smaller. 14-point mm-hmm. type. But the the main restriction is that the option fee that's collected up front on a lease option, uh, if the property is inside the city limits of the city of Cincinnati, can only be one and a half times the monthly rent. 
And that that's kind of a big deal, particularly in this market where lease options are so hot and people are willing to put more money up front. But frankly, when we come back to the from the break and talk about the kinds of properties you ought to be looking for to lease option, uh, you might decide, Alexa, that inside the city of Cincinnati is is not necessarily your hottest market for these anyway. And outside the city, the law does not uh, is not in effect. So uh, you got about uh, ten more minutes to call or email with your questions for Andy seven seven two nine six five eight in the Greater Cincinnati area eight seven 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 two nine six five eight if you're listening to us nationally or internationally, or you can send an email to askdina at gmail dot com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Andy Heller, and we're talking about the, the, the strategies that are, some of the strategies, I mean, we're not getting into a, you know, apartment buildings and stuff, but some of the strategies that are very, very hot in residential real estate in the market right now. We spoke about REOs toward the beginning of the program, and now we're talking about the hot exit strategy of lease options. And... Uh, uh, Andy, I, you, you may not know this about me, but the very first deal I ever did back in 1989 was a lease option. Mm-hmm. And I sold a property. Well, I knew that you were uh, a big fan, and you've used it before, Vina, but I did not know that. Yeah, between about uh, 89 and 95 or 96, I did somewhere in the range of 200 lease option deals, either for myself or it got to the point where people were coming to me and saying, I don't know how to set this up. Will you set it up, market it for me, find me the tenant, and I'll pay you. And uh, I was I, I did that. I did a lot of those as well. And uh, I mean, finding finding a great tenant buyer was as easy as falling off a log. And then we had this thing that happened in the late '90s and early part of this decade, where the the great lease option tenants were also the subprime borrowers, and many of them, rather than go through the lease option process first, would just go buy a house. But now we're back to the point where there's some very there's some very good quality folks out there. And by good quality, of course, I mean, they pay their rent, they take care of the property, they truly have the homeowner mentality, and ultimately, they do what they can, and uh, what they have to to buy it from you. That's 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 a good quality lease option, tenant buyer. And they are, once again, everywhere. Now, we again should say, not every property, not every neighborhood is going to be a good lease option property. If you're out looking for bank-owned properties so that you can lease option them, there's particular kinds of properties that are, are going to be most attractive to these folks. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about what those are? Yeah, well, first of all, I, that was a, I'm really glad that the question was asked. Um, I forget the name of Ashley or whoever asked the question. I, I'm really glad that I was asked. And, and you, you just answered that question. Lease options, everybody, has a sweet spot, a place where it works great. And it works great in what we call middle-income America. Now, middle-income America is different all over the country. Um, what, what is, and middle-income, everybody, is not a number. It's a range from lower-middle-income to upper-middle-income. So uh, when, I, when I taught in Honolulu, your middle-income range was probably around 300000 to a million. Um, in Atlanta, it's from about 75000 from lower middle income to $450,000 to upper middle income. Cincinnati is probably a little bit lower than that. So every con- every community in the country has that middle income range, and that's where lease options work masterfully. So um, that, Cincinnati, that, that law that was being referred to in Cincinnati, it actually applies to a part of Cincinnati 
that would probably be better categorize everybody as lower income. So lease options don't work there anyhow. So the parts of Cincinnati where lease options work, uh, the suburbs, suburbia, is not part of Cincinnati proper, so the law doesn't apply anyhow. So don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, not that there aren't many middle-income and even upper-income areas bounded by the city of Cincinnati, but y- you have to be thinking, too, along the lines of what is desirable to someone who is planning on making a long-term investment on a home, because you're not looking for renters here. You're looking for people who, although, yeah, they're going to rent right now, ultimately you're going to want to stay there for years and years and years, and that brings into play things like What's the school system like? What's the access to highways and jobs and parks and shopping and you know, all the all the things that, uh, that that made you want to buy your home when when you bought your home? Uh, you know, if the city of Cincinnati doesn't doesn't like investors creating homeowners in their city that is only forty five percent homeowners right now, fine. Stay, stay, they don't want you to stay out. <laughs> there's, there's like, there's like 18 cities inside and around Cincinnati that aren't Cincinnati. Go create housing in those areas is is the answer I always get. And I take it back. It's, it's only 35 percent homeownership rate in the city of Cincinnati. Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't worry about that too terribly much, Alexa. Uh, got a question here from Willie in El Paso, Texas. He says. I, I have already studied REOs and I understand lease options very well, but the piece that is missing for me is the financing. That's a that's a good question, Andy. If you're going to buy an REO, yep. the money's got to come from somewhere so that you can hold on to it for a while so you can lease option. Where's the money coming from? Well, um, I'll give you a short answer uh, in two parts. Part number one, uh, what, was, what was the name again? Willie. Willie. Part number one is you better be there on September 17th, Willie. I'm spending 30 minutes on financing, okay? So I can't give you a 30-minute answer in one minute, all right? So be there on September 17th for my full-day workshop in Cincinnati. But the short answer is that um, most investors who don't have cash, they seek private money, and I'll be talking about that on the 17th. And you need to basically just address the the possibility that you don't flip the property and you roll the property into a longer-term investment your money source. And think about it for a second, Willie. Right now, the interest rates paid on CDs are dirt, dirt plus one or dirt plus <laughs> zero. And so there's not a whole lot of very exciting options, and the stock market is so unstable. There's not a whole lot of very appealing options for investors who have money other than real estate. So if you, if you offer a private money option, and on the private money option, uh, you're, you say, okay, I'll try and flip the property, and this is what I'll pay you if I flip. But if I don't flip it, I'm going to roll it into a lease option, and I'll pay you X number, XYZ on your money. It's a lot more appealing for these investors than putting that money in the bank. So most of my students, and I'll walk you through how, uh, simply address this in advance with their money source. And, and if you've got the right money source, they should be absolutely fine with that. And if they're not fine with that, they're probably not the right money source. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and Willie, congratulations on going ahead and getting that education in those areas because uh, I'm 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 pretty convinced that that these are going to be uh, very hot strategies over the course of the next two to five years minimum. And and you know again, Andy, I know you've been doing them all along. I know you kept doing lease options right through the real estate bubble, and 
so on. But um, the, the the lease options in particular are are something that I frankly had largely given up on. I you know, I was you know, lease optioning one or two properties a year, but but retailing for a while there was the easy thing to do. You know, you fix it up, mm-hmm. put a sign in the yard, somebody's standing there two days later with a full price offer in hand. And I just, I can't, uh, I can't overemphasize, or maybe I can and am, we'll see what the listeners say, <clears throat> how how this has just exploded in the last couple of years. And, and, and here's how I knew, here's how I knew that the lease options time, time had come back. Any property that I had on the market that I wasn't going to resell was 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 from 2000, well, really now 1998 to about 2006, 2007, was on the market for rent. And when people started calling me and saying, would you consider doing a lease option on that property? And it wasn't just one, it just happened over and over and over again. I said, well, gosh, it's, it's time to jump back into this market because when the customer is coming to you and asking about something that... You know, frankly, they have to have studied up on. They have to understand what it is before they can even ask about it. Y- you know, you're onto something where a lot of people want it. There's not enough investors out there who know how to provide it appropriately, and uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a hot topic. So, great thing yeah. to learn about, and great place to learn about it is uh, starting. September first, Thursday, September first. That's uh, two weeks from tomorrow at the. Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati, where Annie will be our evening meeting speaker. Everybody is welcome to that meeting, and I mean everybody. Bring your bring your friends, family, real estate agents, wh- whomever you think needs to know more about that. And you can get more information about that at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com. Thank you so much for being with us here today, Andy. Look forward to seeing you in Cincinnati and on your world travels over the course of the next few months. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate. Until then, happy investing. 